0: Hey everybody, this is AJ, the Media and Creative Director for Lifehouse Church. We are so glad you're checking out our most recent message and we hope it encourages you, challenges you, and most of all inspires you to go show the world they are loved and highly valued. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Boy, it is good to see everybody here. We've enjoyed being here the last couple of days. How many of you were in the marriage conference? yeah a lot of you the happy ones were in the marriage conference so so they like that last session the best so uh. (laughs) hey today i want to talk to you i'm good i may need water If if i start being dry throw me up some okay all right i want to talk to you about what a lot of pastors are hesitant to talk to you about i want to talk to you about giving is that all right giving. It's, it's something that's mentioned in the Bible over and over and over, and it'll change your life if you'll just do what the Word of God says. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an incredible time of worship. Thank you for the spirit of this place, Lord, the people that are here that love you and worship you, Lord. Thank you for the leadership that you've sent and Drew and Kristen and the others, Lord, and we just pray your blessings upon this place. And we pray today, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what it is you want to say to us. And, Lord, that we'd have hearts to receive, Lord, and that a spirit of generosity, Lord, extravagantly generosity, would fill this place, Lord. May Lifehouse be a church that's known for its generosity. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Author Bob McEwen talks about a time in his book... um, when he took his young son to McDonald's and his son wanted a Coke and French fries and so Bob went to the counter got Coke and French fries and brought it back and gave it to his son and then he sat down across from his son and he reached over and he took one of his son's French fries and his son being small and not knowing that dads can take you out slapped his dad's hand and said those are my fries and Bob said Bob said, I realized then that my son had forgotten three things. He had forgotten who the source of his fries was. He said, I'm the one that went to the counter, ordered them, paid for them, took them to the table. I was the source, and as the source, all I really wanted from him was for him to be grateful. You see, secondly, he also forgot that I control the fries. I could take them away from him instantly and say, all right, no more fries for you. He said, I have, or, I could have, or I could have lavished him in fries. I could have bought, bought him a truckload of fries because I have the resources to do that. I wanted him to understand who controls the fries. And he said the third lesson is I realized that he forgot that I didn't really need his fries. I could buy my own fries. What I wanted from him was for him to be unselfish. For Him to be generous. When I read that, I understood that those are the same reason God wants us to be generous with, with Him. He wants us to understand that everything we have, we have because He blessed us with it. There's nothing that you have in this world that God didn't, that you don't have because God gave it to you. He's the source of our fries. Secondly, I realized that God wants us to understand that it's always His. Whatever He gives to us, He gives to us to be stewards, not owners. He gives to us to manage, not control. God is the one who directs the way that we spend what He has given to us. And thirdly, I realize that He wants every one of His kids, every one of us to be unselfish and to live generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says this, Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. God wants you to excel in giving, not just in singing. You know, a lot of churches today are known for their great worship, and this church would certainly fall into that category. We excel in worship, and that's great. God wants us to excel in worship. It may be, well, we excel in outreach, or we excel in this. But God also includes, He wants us to be excel, to be extravagant in our generosity, in our giving. Generosity and giving is the most talked about virtue in the Bible. Now, I didn't do this. I didn't uh, count myself, but I read that faith is mentioned 246 times, hope 185 times, love 733 times, but giving or generosity is referred to almost 2300 times that's more than all the other virtues combined why is that because giving is the outward expression that flows out of the other three we give because we have faith we give because we find hope in something we give because we love carl menninger the founder of the menninger health clinics said that that giving and generosity is the foundation of good mental health he said, generous people are rarely mentally ill. How many could use a little more, better mental health this morning? <laughs> now, I realize that LifeHouse is very generous, and I thank God for that. And, and I know that some of you, the last thing you need is a message on giving, on generosity. But today, in the interest of the mental health of those generous people, the ones that you're sitting next to, that needs some mental health, I'm going to talk on giving. Is that all right? I want to talk about six reasons why I love to give. Six reasons why I love to give. Number one, giving reflects God's character in my life. Giving, you're never more like the Lord than when you're giving. It is God's nature to give. Giving defines who God is. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God gives to all generously, and ungrudgingly in John 3:16 anybody ever heard of that verse John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he sang a worship song for God so loved the world that he put it on a sign in his front yard for God so loved the world that, that he gave everybody said gave God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life first john 4 8 says but anyone who does not love does not know god for god is love the bible says that god is love and the fruit of love is always giving for god so loved that he oh come on now for god so loved that you did better for drew i'm feeling a little left out here all right let's try it again for god so loved that he that he gave god's love was not a Mushy mumbo jumbo, love filled with words but not backed with actions. Great lovers are great givers. The old saying is true: you can you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. When Nancy and I first fell in love a hundred years ago, I couldn't keep money in my pocket. I remember one time this was this was not the wisest decision that I ever made, but we were we were in a traveling ministry and. And we were living by faith, and anytime time you say, hear somebody say they were living by faith, what that means is, we ain't got no money, and um, we're hoping that you'll help us, is what that really means. <laughs> but, but we didn't have any money. We, I mean, I had $200 to my name. That's total. I mean, that was savings, that was assets, that was everything. And uh, we were, we'd gone into a jewelry store, and we were looking at jewelry. She was hoping for a ring, and I wasn't quite there yet. But um, um, she, we found, she found this heart-shaped necklace, and she loves hearts, and she loves gold. And, uh, and we looked at it, and it was $200. And I go, well, do you want me to get that for you? Oh, you could never. No, we don't, you don't have that. No, we can't do that. And so we left, and I took her back to her house, and I went right back there, and I gave everything I had for that necklace. Why? Because I loved her. And when you love someone, you give. She doesn't even know where that necklace is now. I'm a little bit bitter about it, right? But but, uh, pray for my attitude, okay? (laughs) She says I know where it is, but she had not worn it for a while. (laughs) Ephesians 5, 1 says this, Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. That's our assignment, to be an imitator of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave. Just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says this, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave. You notice how often the Bible ties love and giving together. He, he loved us and He gave Himself up for us. How will He not freely give us all things? Do so you know that God gives us everything? Think of what He's given you. He's given you eternal life. He's given you forgiveness. He's given you His Holy Spirit. He's given you spiritual gifts to equip you for ministry to live for, and, and a power to live by. He's given us a peace and a joy to live with. He's given us our health. Everything we have comes from God. He loves to give to His kids. I love this verse in Psalm 68, 19. Bless the Lord who daily loads us with His benefits. God daily loads us with His benefits because He loves us. Giving reflects God's character. You're never more like God than when you're giving. Number two, giving and generosity increases my intimacy with God. The more I give, the closer I become to God. Matthew 6.21 said it this way. Your heart will be where your treasure is. Your heart will be where your treasure is. Where's your heart today? I can tell you where it is. It's wherever you put your money. If your money's in the stock market, that's where your heart is. Have you ever seen someone that's heavily invested in the stock market? They can't wait to get you know, a report from what the Dow Jones did today. They can't wait to read Forbes or some other magazine because that's where their heart is. Some of you, your heart is tied up in a motorcycle, and that's all you can think about. You work, and you think, I just want to get home, not to see the wife and the kids, but to see my motorcycle. (laughs) If that's you, you should have been at the marriage retreat. (laughs) Some of you ladies, all you can think about is that pair of shoes that you want. And you think about it, and you long for it, and you post pictures of it on the refrigerator, in the bathroom mirror, giving your husband hints. Unless you're Drew and Kristen, then it's Drew that wants that new pair of shoes. Drew's going to end up on the website Preachers and Sneakers one day. The Bible teaches us that our, life is like, that our money is like a magnet. Wherever we put it, it pulls on our hearts. If I give my money to the Lord, then I'm drawn closer to Him. Now the truth is, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't even want our money. He has all the french fries He wants. What He wants is our heart. He wants our heart, and where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. Giving is an act of worship. Giving puts meat behind our words. It's one thing to talk about our commitment to the Lord and another to back it up with our resources. Our money represents our lives, so when we give to the Lord, we're literally giving Him a part of ourselves. Kristen showed me at at the end of the marriage retreat a, a, a text that Drew had sent her back in college. And Drew, you know, he's pretty amazing with words. He's very gifted and And uh, he had written this eloquent thing about how he loved her and he would climb the highest mountain, swim the uh, widest ocean, dive to the depth of the deepest sea, just to be with her. And, you know, she's feeling pretty good about that. But then he added, P.S., I'll meet you in the lobby if it doesn't rain this afternoon. (laughs) A lot of people are like that. This side's a little slow, but they finally got that. So we thank God for that. <laughs> so, You know, it's easier to sing about our commitment than it is to demonstrate our commitment. Sometimes I love the songs that we sing. I love the worship uh, songs that are being written today. They mean so much to me in the morning when I'm getting ready uh, shaving and brushing my teeth and stuff I say Alexa play worship music and this morning they always put on some really neat stuff but this morning they were playing disco worship <laughs> I, I couldn't understand a word I don't know where I thought it was demon possessed or something but, uh, I, I got I even went so far as to say Alexa play country gospel uh, that's how desperate I was but <laughs> But we'll sing songs like, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you my everything. And then the offering bucket passes by, and we don't put a dollar in. It's one thing to sing, and it's another thing to demonstrate. We've got to understand, giving reflects God's character in my life, and giving increases my intimacy with God. Thirdly, giving sets me free from the grip of materialism and greed. Giving sets me free. I love this. It sets me free from the grip of materialism and greed. I don't think I would get many arguments disagreeing with the statement that we live in a materialistic and greedy world. Our culture is always, always about getting more. And the prevailing theme is I have to have it all and I have to have it now. Never forget years ago, and it's gotten so much worse since then. Nancy and I were pastoring in Ohio and We'd gone into Toledo and to the waterfront. They had a, a tourist thing down there and all kinds of shops. And my favorite shop was right out in the middle. It was the fudge shop. And they made fudge right in front of you. And, and they would put on a little performance while they were making the fudge. and And the guy, as the fudge was getting shaped and molded into the block they'd say everybody sing after me i want it i need it i got to have it i want it and you'd get caught up i want it i need it gotta have it you start salivating and and uh and then he'd give a little free samples afterwards well i wanted it i didn't need it and i surely didn't have to have it but that's the model of the world i visited a friend's house not too long ago oh, it's been a few years ago now their new house, and, and uh, this couple's very generous, but they're also very, very blessed. And they have they had a TV room, a media room, a room just to house their TV. I mean, that's really blessed, isn't it? And I went in there, and this is a few years ago now. And they had the seventy-inch screen TV, and uh, and they had theater seats. And I sat down to watch. <laughs> Never have to wonder where Carlos is. <laughs> and I sat down in that leather, and it was soft. And it reached its leathery arms around me and held me close. And I watched the football game, In I watched the Vols lose on a 70-inch screen. And, and I started feeling bad for myself. And I went home and I looked at that stupid 42-inch screen. (laughs) And that lumpy old recliner with imitation leather. And I made up my mind that I was not going to get caught up in the materialism and the greed of the world. And I determined right then that that year we would give the most admissions that we would ever give. And why? Because I don't want to be caught up in the spirit of the world. I want to be caught up in the spirit of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feels contempt for the other. You can't. Everybody say can't. You can't worship God and money both. As believers, we need to break free from the lie that says our net worth and our self-worth is the same thing. It's not. It's not. You are not successful if you have things. You are successful if you're doing what God has called you to do. If He's Lord of your life and you're walking in obedience to Him. Success is not measured by how much you accumulate. The media bombards us with the message that we have to have it all, spend it all, get it all, achieve all, do it all. We've bought into the line that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. But the truth is, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And what happens then? Every time we give, we're making a statement that says, I'm not going to be bound by the values of this world, but by the values of the kingdom. Some people get mad when you preach on giving. Because giving strikes at the heart of selfishness. And at some point in our lives, we have to answer the question, am I going to live my life for myself or for God and others? And I, am I going to be a giver or a miser, a giver or a taker? We're just a steward of the incredible blessings that God has provided for our lives. That's why God asked for one day in seven, for the top 10% off everything we have. 1 Timothy 6 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. How many agree with that? You don't want to go around a bunch of stuck-up people. Notice that God says he will provide us with everything for our enjoyment. But the only way we can truly enjoy his blessings is by breaking the grip of materialism in our life. Now, is having a 70-inch TV wrong? No. But if the 70-inch TV has you, yes. Is it wrong to have a motorcycle? Yes. No, I'm not a motorcycle rider, so I I don't care. (laughs) It's not about what you have, it's about what has you. That's what it's about. Giving reflects God's character in my life, increases my intimacy with God, and breaks the grip of materialism and greed. And fourthly, giving builds my faith. Giving builds my faith. 2 Corinthians 9.13 in the Phillips Version says this, You're giving... Proves the reality of your faith. 2 Corinthians 9.13 As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them, to them and to all believers will prove, everybody say prove. prove, will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. It's been said that there are 7,000 promises. I don't know if that's true, but there are thousands of promises in the Bible for sure. And the, many of them come down to receiving what god has for you and almost every promise that has a this is how god wants to bless you has a precursor that says when we give god gives back when we put god first god gives back second corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 says this each man should give as he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver for god loves a cheerful giver God loves a cheerful giver. When I was growing up, the preachers used to get up and take the offering, and they'd say, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grouch. <laughs> well, I don't know if God will. Pastors will. But, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Giving builds our faith. When I give with the expectation that God will honor His Word, God will often ask us, this is what I've learned, Nancy and I have learned over our years, God will often ask us to take a step of faith that is absolutely out of the realm of possibility for us. He'll ask us. He'll never ask us to give what we don't have, but He'll often ask us to give what we want to keep. And He's just looking to see if we will trust Him. See, money, money is a test. How you handle the money that God provides for you determines and demonstrates your level of faith. And as a retired pastor and a friend of this church, I want to urge you to give, a God, give God a chance to do a miracle in your life. Let God prove Himself to you. Now, I, I, let me give you a little disclaimer here. I'm 68, Nancy's 12, and, um, and I've been giving for six, over 65 years because my parents taught me, and Nancy's did too. This is one thing for sure that they absolutely did right, and I'm so grateful. We were taught that once you got your first dime, a penny of it went to the Lord. It wasn't an option. It wasn't like, well, you can go spend a dime on a candy bar. No, nine cents is yours. One cent goes to the Lord. And we were raised that way, and we raised our girls that way. And so giving has always been somewhat easy for us because we saw it demonstrated in our families, and we saw how God provided for our families. When I went to Bible college, I had enough for one semester, that's all I had, and back then it was like $800 my first semester. And I'd worked and saved that and went, and, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, just two things when I get out of Bible college. I said, I, number one, I want to I be debt-free, and number two, I want to go back to Tennessee. And God, and God answered both of those. It took me 20 years to get back to Tennessee, but, but I was debt-free. The, the week that I was to graduate, I owed $100. And by the, back then, in 1970, $100, today, I mean, it was a lot of money. There's no way that I could, I didn't have any money. But God sent a fellow student that had paid off his loan and found out he had $100 left. And he said, I want to put that towards Randy Carter's bill. Never, didn't want me to know who it was. I finally found out who it was. But, but he just did it. And God honored his word. Why? Because we had put giving as a priority in our life. Even as a poor student, God took care of us. Giving is a matter of faith. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be found in my house, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. This is the Lord saying, test me, try me. You want to you know if I'm real? Try this. Try this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Don't be afraid to trust God. Don't be afraid to go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. You've got to be willing to take a step of faith. When Nancy and I were married, again, we were at that point where we didn't have any money. And uh, we lived that way for many, many years, and then God saw fit to, you know, kind of turn it around towards the end of our ministry, but, but uh, we just did it. That's just a, a lifestyle, and we started a church. We planted a, a church, moved to Bowling Green, Ohio, didn't have any church, no building, no people, but we had the, 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 the faith that God was going to use us to build a church, and, and God did, and after the first couple of years, we had grown to a couple hundred people, and and uh, we needed a building. We were meeting in a store building that was horrible. And, and, um, and so we, we, we started raising money. God provided land, and we started raising money. And, and we prayed about what God would have us to give. And, and he said, I want you to give $10,000. Well, he might as well ask us for 100000 or for a million. Because when you don't have it and God's got to do it anyhow, you can't limit God. But we pledged that. And I can't tell you how it happened, but within two years we had paid that off. We gave away our down payment. Three times we had saved to buy a home. Back then you could could buy a home, get into a home for about $2,000, just a little bit down in closing costs. And three different times we had saved that, and and we were looking for homes, and God spoke and said, I want you to give all that you have. And, And we did. We gave it. And at the, at the end of 19, at the beginning of 1998, we didn't have a penny to our name other than a few, few maybe 100 to 200 dollars in the checking. We were living paycheck to paycheck. But by August of 1988, we were able to put 20 percent down on a home and buy our first home. You say, how does that add up? It's, it doesn't add up mathematically. It, it, it doesn't make sense. All I can say is, God honored His Word. And because we were willing to obey Him, He kept His side of the bargain, and, and God blessed us. I've learned that there are two kinds of givers. Those who give by reason, and those who give by revelation. Reason, revelation giving, takes faith. Revelation Giving waits on God and says, Lord, I know that the starting point is 10%. You've already told us that. But Lord, what would you have me give this year? And you hear from God and you trust the word that you hear from God and you give out of that. Reasoning giving is based on a budget. We look at our budget and says, well, at the end of our budget, we have this and that's what we'll give to God. When, when I started in ministry, right out of Bible college in 1974, I went to St. Joe, Missouri as a youth pastor, and my pay package was $75 a week. That was a long time ago, but that still wasn't much. And, oh, they also gave me a roach-infested room and, uh, and a house next to the church to live in. And those roaches kind of became my friends. It was a pretty lonely time, but But... I figured my budget and my budget, my bare bones budget, that was not clothes or anything like that, but just the bare bone budget was 82.50 a week. I was 750 a week. I was 10% short. And I prayed and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That hadn't figured the tithe or anything. And and the Lord said, I want you to trust me and give 20% instead of 10%. I said, Lord, I'm already 750. That That'll make me 15 short. He said, I want you to trust me. And I did it, and I stepped out in faith, and I did it. And I can't tell you how, but I never missed a payment. I never never went hungry. I I always had clothes when others would wear out. God took care of me. Why? Because I trusted Him. You've got to remember the source of your fries. Revelation giving takes faith. When we built the building in in, uh, Jackson, we moved to Jackson in um, 1993, and the church grew and we outgrew the building that we were in. We had the ugliest building in the Assemblies of God. It was um, a geodesic dome, you know what those look like, next to an octagon with a rectangle on them. We were the geometric church, and uh, people used to make fun of us. They said, I go to the church where the Wart sat down next to the stop sign. And uh, Maury Davis, at our dedication of the new building, said, you've moved from the pimple to the temple. Um, it was bad. And, and we had grown, and we needed a building. And we stepped out in faith, and we challenged the people to give. And again, we prayed. And we said, Lord, what do you want us to give? And this time he asked us to give 50000 We didn't have 50000 but what we had was a history of God honoring His Word. And so we stepped out on the basis that He honors His Word, and we made that pledge. Why did we do that? Number one, because we wanted to keep growing in our walk with the Lord. We didn't want to get stuck at $10,000 faith. And if you're given the same thing today that you were 10 years ago, maybe you're stuck. Maybe it's time God. you say, well, I haven't got a raise. Well, give God something and let God bless that. Grow in your faith. Grow in your obedience. Number two, we never wanted to ask the people of the church to sacrifice more than we were willing to sacrifice. And number three, Nancy and I knew that we couldn't outgive give God. And I still to this day cannot tell you how that happened, but it happened. And not just 50,000, but over that. How did God do that? I don't know because I ain't God. God's God and He's beyond our understanding at times. But if he says he's going to do something, he will do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I firmly believe If you have the desire to give and are determined to step out in faith, God will make it possible. But you've got to have the faith to trust Him. Number five, giving is an investment in my future. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. We read that. Let's go down uh, a little further. And it says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may not take so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life 1 Timothy 6:19 in the living bible by doing this they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven it is the only safe investment for eternity and they will be living a fruitful christian life down here as well giving is an investment in my future i can testify to that ecclesiastes 11:1 give generously for your gifts will return to you later. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For if the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I can testify, Nancy and I retired 15 months ago. One of the things that we, like almost everybody else, wondered was how will we live in retirement? We had saved, we hadn't invested well, but we had saved well. And, um, and towards the last couple of years, we'd gotten some good advice and, and had started investing well. But we knew that compared to what we were normally living on, what we were going to be living on was not going to be easy. But we also knew that God was faithful. And so I stand here today and say in the middle of a pandemic, when things have been tighter and tougher for most people than ever, We haven't had to draw on our retirement one single time. God took care of us. God opened doors that we never would have imagined could possibly be open for us, and we didn't have to. We have more in retirement today than we did 15 months ago when we retired. Why? Because for 40, 50 years we have been sowing, and now we're reaping what we've sowed over the years. You say, "Are you bragging?" No. Yes, I am. On God. Not on us, but on God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with the firstfruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your uh, vats will brim with new wine. A king invited all of his subjects to his palace for a feast. But the invitation had a hidden purpose. The, the moat around the palace had dried up due to a recent drought. And since there was no promise of rain, the king ask everybody that came to the celebration to bring a vessel, a container of water, to dump into the moat, believing that that would fill the moat up. And it did. At the end of the party, the king said, I want to thank you for coming, and I also want to bless you for coming, so I've opened up the treasures of my kingdom, all the gold, all the jewels, all the fine things, and you are able to go in there and take whatever you want as long as it fits in the size of the vessel that you brought the water in. If we're stingy with God. God's not just stingy. He's, it's a law that He created. We reap what we sow. And we reap in proportion to we sow. Two truths. Number one, I will always reap what I sow. If you sow, that's not just money. If you sow, sow an attitude in your marriage, guess what you're going to get out of your marriage? If, if, if you sow discord, guess what your life's going to be filled with? If you sow happiness, guess what your life's going to be filled with? I always reap what I sow. Number two, I will always reap more than I sow. If, if you didn't reap more than you sow, you couldn't afford to sow. There's not a farmer. I don't know if we have any farmers in here tonight or not, or today, this morning, whatever time it is. I don't know how long I've been preaching. But... Uh, <laughs> Feels like night, anyhow, doesn't it? So, I can see little daylight out there still. That's good. But if 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 a farmer sowed a seed of corn and all he got back was a seed of corn, it's just a repetition and foolishness. But when he sows that seed of corn, he'll reap hundreds of seeds, kernels of corn. Because you always reap more than you sow. Deuteronomy eight uh, fifteen verse ten says, "Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart." Then, because Because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. You know, Drew, as a pastor, two things. Number one, when I was young, like you, when I had hair, like you, look at me, this is your future, buddy. (laughs) Sorry, but... I used to be afraid to preach on giving. Because because I just thought people will think, well, he's doing that because he, he wants more for himself. And there are people that think that. Some, some, maybe somebody in here today thinks that, you know, well, when pastors preach on generosity, it's because they want more. Well, I'm not pastoring. And, and Drew already gave me a dollar, so I don't have to <laughs> worry about what, you know, the offering is. I do this because I want people to learn the blessing and the joy of giving. I used to feel sorry for people that didn't give. I mean, I just, I thought, I thought they must be, they just don't understand. They, how can they trust God with their eternal salvation if they can't trust Him with the provision for today? I want you to learn the generosity factor. Finally, giving, everybody say, finally, praise God finally giving releases God's joy in my life. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 25 says a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Acts 20:35. there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. I'm telling you when I was growing up some of the things I heard when I was growing up when I began pastoring, they, I, I shared some of them because that's what I thought preachers did. But they didn't make any sense. One of them was the preachers would get up and say, give, give till it hurts. And I'm going, that's not motivating, you know. I mean, give, all right, I gave, I gave 20 bucks. No, no, give till it really hurts. And it's like, oh, I got, oh I'm, you know, that's not going to build a church. I say, give till it feels good give till it feels good there's nothing like our church in Northside and in jackson uh, we, we god had helped create a uh, one of our core values was extravagant generosity and we tried to live that out in, in our missions giving and in the last couple of last three years i think we were able to top three hundred thousand dollars a year in giving to missions and almost over four and a half million during the time that we were there and we'd take a special we gave every month to missions but in, in September, we'd take a special offering for missions. And the last year, we set a goal of $70,000 cash at the end of the missions conference. And, and it was a big stretch of faith, but we believed and, and, and the Lord challenged us. I said, Lord, I want my last missions offering as pastor to be the biggest one, but you're going to have to provide. And he did, and I was able to give the largest gift that we've ever given at one time. And when the offering was counted, came to $106,000. Yeah, I, that's worth a praise to the Lord. And I can't tell you, at, that night, we, we always ended our missions week with a celebration banquet, and we didn't do anything spiritual that night. We just had fun. We just, we'd been spiritual all week, so we were going to party, and, and we, we had a great time. And, and one of the highlights every year was the revelation of what the offering was. And, and, and when we stood up, and I teased him a little bit because I, I said, the new pastor, the one that had followed me, we worked together for about three months. And he actually took the offering that day. And he said, What do I do? What's, what story should I tell? I said, You don't have to do anything. People have prayed, they've sought God, they've been trained. You just say, We're going to receive the offering. And people were excited to give. And the offering was like 67,000. And I told him, and he was all excited. And uh, but what he didn't know, and I didn't tell him until that night, he found it out when everybody else found it. Twenty-five thousand had already been given, and so we announced the sixty-seven. People got excited, announced that extra, and then that night another four or five thousand had come in, and it just kept getting building more and more excitement. And when the total came out, there was joy. God, it filled our hearts with joy. Don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. 1 Chronicles, last verse. Two verses. 1 Chronicles 29, 16-18. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly Your people who are here have given to You. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of Your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to You. Did you notice how many times the word joy was used? Because there's no greater sense of joy than to give. Say, you mean when you're letting go of something? Yeah, because when you're letting go, you know that you're preparing yourself to receive. Lifehouse, I can't challenge you enough to give and to be generous and to pray and to say, Lord, see, I, I do know this. This church is growing. That's obvious. You know, I mean, to have this type of a turnout when COVID's still going on is really exciting. There's a sense of, of um, every time we come, we're just blessed to be here. And there's going to come some time because of God's blessing that you're going to have to demonstrate some faith. God's going to call this church to a greater commitment to missions than he's ever called it before. He's going to ask you to give more to missions. He's going to call you. There's going to be a time when you need a bigger building with a flat floor. We should sing, climb, climb up sunshine mountain. You know that song, you were raised in the assemblies of God. But it's going to take faith. It won't be just our tithe. Well, the truth is, let me just say this, and and I'm, I'm finished. The truth is, if everybody tithed in this church, there would be no need at all. That's the truth. But not everybody does because they haven't learned the joy of giving. But there's giving beyond the tithe. Some people say you haven't really given until you've given beyond the tithe. The tithe is what we, God requested. It's, what, it's our offerings that are, that are a sign of our generosity. And I want to encourage you. Pray. Consider what you're giving. Well, I'm giving all I can. I understand that, but God hasn't called you to give all you can He's called you to give all He can. And if you'll be faithful, He will flow it to you because He knows He can flow it through you. Father, thank You for Your Word. I pray, Lord.